Um, what we're going to do today is we're going to, as I say, we're going to have a look at the year behind us and the year ahead of us. Uh, but the first thing that I want to do is really affirm the gospel. You know, as a church, we're people of the book. And uh, I don't say that lightly, but as people of the book, we want to be people who take seriously scripture. And of course, we take very seriously <clears throat> the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, and how it is that he came into our world to die for our sins. And we are recipients of that grace. We're sinners saved by grace. And by being so, we're people who have incredible debt to Jesus and incredible thankfulness for him. And by being these folks who have become part of this great story of God and his people, um, we've become the church. And the church, we live as recipients of this grace of the cross of Christ. And Paul, the apostle, said, I confess to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this is the very core of our faith. But not only crucified, but resurrected. And it's this resurrection that empowers us with the ability to be able to be the church, to take this resurrection power, this ability to be able to see what God is doing by moving in our midst with authority, with power, and the conviction and the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through the church is all that we are today. We can't do it without him. Thanks, Bernie. <clears throat> Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Those words come from Isaiah the prophet and Jesus quotes them because these were the words that defined who the Messiah would be. And when Jesus spoke about these words being upon himself as the one that they were waiting for to come, the prophecy was fulfilled. And, uh, and Jesus went on in his years of ministry to do just that, to set the oppressed free and to, to heal the blind, etc. And so we as the church, this is our mandate as well. This is what we are called to do. But the biggest challenge with these words is quite simply this, is that I can't, but we can. And I say this personally, and I say this on behalf of all of us. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I can't, but we can. I can't, but we can. Yeah. Hey, um, we are a mixed bag of people, aren't we? Eh? And that's fun. That's what makes church fun. The greater the stretch, the more um, the variety of people amongst us then this dynamic of being church is a sign and a wonder to everybody. How is it that the, uh, the economically advantaged and the economically disadvantaged, the different ethnicities, the different ages, everybody mixes together, even the Gilmore girls? Would you stand up, please? Yeah. Only the Gilmore girls would wear hair like that. No? No? Their mother would too, eh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. See, we're, we're, we're different. And that's cool. Uh, so we look at the church and we say, this is whom we are collectively. You know, we, we own. We own the Gilmore Girls. Okay? Uh, even those of us who are follically challenged uh, find that uh, pleasure in seeing other people's hairdos. But, you know, we as a variety of people, old, young, wealthy, poor, everything in between. 
And, and we're people who are, who are on a journey together, and by the grace of God, we can actually be who we are. Now, this year ahead, I'm calling, um, you're going to see all my artistic skills today, um, I'm calling this year the year of the bump. Okay? It's a bump. Um, I've talked about this with the eldership, and I just, this is what I'm somewhat um, keen to describe to you today. The year of the bump for me is talking about a number of things with uh, sort of lumps or hills that we have to get over. Now, over the last six years, I've been the national leader for the Baptist churches. And next year, at the end of next year, I'll complete seven years. And I've given notice that that will be my, my end date in November in 2018. My end date is being Baptist national leader. But I, I just want to say thank you for all of your support. It's given me the ability to get out and about and, and uh, speak on behalf of Baptists and organize different things and just be leading the team that's centrally based in Auckland, essentially based in Auckland. Um, that's me speaking at um, Waitangi a few years ago. Amazing the difference a suit can make, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I got told after the first service that I need to wear suits more often. Um, but what I'm wearing now is well suited <laughs> to the occasion. But we as a church have allowed me to do this. So in that sense, when I'm talking to different people around the country, people who are a bit more astute or a little bit more discerning say to me, can you thank your church for allowing you to be doing what you do? Because without you being whom you are, um, I wouldn't be able to get out and about. And particularly in relation to the staff team who have been able to fill the gaps. Um, but you've been relatively well behaved. And so therefore, that means that I actually can spend some more time away from here. Okay, so keep up that relatively well behaved. Um, I would appreciate it even when I do return. Uh, but next year, this time next year, I'm really excited about the ability to be able to have I will have to sink all of my energy back into BBC and uh, allow some other uh, uh, um, person to, <laughs> to come in and um, take on this role. And this bump for me, there's going to be a bit, of a bit of a change there where I offload my responsibilities to, to the incoming leader. Now, I'm just going to be moving all over the place today. I'm not making any excuses for that. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is um, three months ago, or just over three months ago, we got given an opportunity to look at some land that's become available up on State Highway 2. Now, this land is a couple of hectares, and we were told that we could purchase it for $2 million, which is probably a third of its real value. So we, have, we prayed and we fasted, and we called together a group of uh, men and women who have some skills in uh, developing land, uh, finance, architecture, etc. And during this time... Um, we actually had another church make some inquiries about purchasing this property here. So we've been working that through. Now, at this stage, that hasn't come to anything, I think. I think they're looking at a longer-term project. So that was interesting for a while to consider that another church might buy this property and thus releasing us to move up to State Highway 2. Uh, but when we do the maths, it's really quite simple. Um, we've got um, around about a, a nine... Oops. Nine million dollar goal to be able to move what we have here up there, okay? And at the moment, what we've been told is that our property is worth, uh, as beer land, that three million. Okay, so we've got a, a six million dollar gap 
between where we are now and what it is that we would need to pull together to achieve this project. So if you say it quickly, it doesn't sound very much, but that's the gap, that's the faith, that's the project. And we are considering how is it that we could do this. So it looks impossible, you know, from in the natural. We go, well, that just seems crazy. Why would we want to do this? We've got lovely facilities now. Um, what we do is we get a whole lot more advantages by being up on the state highway. But this is the challenge for all of us. And uh, I really invite you to, <clears throat> to pray into this because unless God reveals a way that we can meet this, uh, there's going to be um, little we can do with this opportunity. So can you see that? But we're not prepared to lay it down. Um, we're not prepared to walk away from it. We're saying this is the opportunity that's in front of us. So we're going to keep on working towards that. Of course, when we got told about this piece of land that became available, we were just about to break into a, a refurbishment plan for this place here. And uh, that included a chapel, putting a lid on top of the outdoor space, uh, and converting the uh, administration area into something more, uh, how would you put it, um, uh, multi-purpose, thank you dear, um, multi-purpose so that we can help our staff because they're sort of crammed in there at the moment. Uh, if anybody arrives at church and leaves their, the boot of their car open, they'll usually find a staff member sitting in there because it's more space than we can give them elsewhere. So we've got this challenge still ahead of us, so we're going to have to live in the tension, the tension of exploring this project, what it could mean, and also living with some degree of discomfort for the staff and probably not maximising the full potential of this place with our chapel and things that we had in mind. But I'm okay with living in the tension, and I invite you to be okay with this as well. What we're saying is that this is going to take time to come to an ultimate conclusion of what it all means. And this is where faith actually exists. Faith exists in the tension. So keep praying. Let's keep seeing how God's hand is going to be revealed in this. Uh, we don't know what the end game will be, end result will be, but we're excited to be given the opportunity to explore this, okay? So you're with me on that? Just keep praying about it. You know, that, you know God's dreams for us are bigger than our own uh, seeming capacity. So we need to work on that. Now, one of the other things that we need to keep working on is um, church life. Here's another graph. This isn't going to be one of those Rolf Harris turn it upside down things and you've got a picture of Jesus or something. Okay, it's, this, is just, this is just me making the use of paper. Um, in the life of a church, um, care, care, the needs that are generated in the area of care continue to grow. And the reason why that happens is because there's a higher and higher level of trust generated in a community. And so people let their guard down and say, look, I really need some help because of this, that, or the other. Okay, does that make sense? Because we all walk in staunch and perfectly, perfectly whole and healed when we arrive in any community. We've always put on our, our best face. Um, so this gap is going to continue to increase on our ability from a staff perspective to meet the needs. So what Eric has been doing, Pastor Eric, who was up here bringing the notices with Wade earlier on, is he's been working on building um, care teams. And so he's over 30 people now who he's spent time with in this last year, training to be able to go and meet people, pray with people, help people through those immediate tensions and needs that they might be experiencing themselves. And so I'm really excited about this because this gives 
other people the ability and the pleasure and the joy of being able to see God working in people's lives up close and personal. Okay, and we're never going to, you know, release some um, untrained idiot on you. We, we want to help you be helped. And so we've got people who are doing this. Furthermore, we've just got the seeds of a counselling centre that we're starting to operate out of B- BBC. And so that counselling centre is going to give us the ability to be able to manage um, a caseload where, where things are more and more difficult for people. Okay, so what we're aiming to do there is to be able to give the best that we can to those in our care and those who are on the fringes of our community. So I'm really excited about that because it gives us the opportunity to be able to reach into people's lives with the best care possible. Now, keep moving on, Craig. This is um, a picture of food. We just heard earlier on about kaimanga. And the reason why I raised this, this ministry is because it gives the opportunity for us to be able to reach out and touch other people's lives at a point of need. And we've got this big food pantry, it used to be called Soul Food, big food pantry, and it gives us the ability to be able to meet those needs and break those immediate need problems that people have, you know, because when people are desperate to the point where they haven't got any food, they're desperate. And we, we're grateful that we can provide an answer to many people's needs in this community, not only in our own community church, but in the wider community as well. And so, um, so keep that in mind when you're doing your shopping, bring in some food, put it in that pantry, and uh, whatever goes through here is going to be a blessing to other people. The other thing that um, we've been working on over the last couple of years has been our Sunday evening service. Um, we've sort of had this on the lowdown, you hear about it, but it's a service that's oriented towards generally a younger crowd because the music's louder. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there's a really wonderful atmosphere, a real sense of the Spirit of God moving in our midst. And we, we are again wanting to introduce people to the Word. We're bringing always biblical sermons. Um, we've got some younger musicians, variety of different people coming in. But over the last few years, that's built up to around about 120, 140 people on a Sunday night at a consistent, in a consistent way. And so that's very exciting for us, just to be able to provide this alternative on a Sunday evening. And we've put on a program for the kids. It's pretty low-key. They come and have dinner and uh, usually kick back and enjoy a movie and give mum and dad a break to be able to have some time in the, in the presence of God. So that's a very important part of our ongoing development as a church, is a Sunday evening program. The other thing, shifting a completely different direction again, is that in the world today, um, one of the most important things you can do to give yourself an identity is you have to have an electronic footprint. Okay, social media. And... Um, what I'm really excited about is how it is that we have this real high-quality presence online. Uh, for example, you see this happening when we have a baptism and we'll have somebody's testimony um, given to you by video rather than interviewing them on stage. It gives that person the ability to speak well without having to be nervous about being on a stage. And uh, that story is captured and then it's sent on Facebook all around the world and they have thousands and thousands of views. So people's stories become part of this bigger picture of whom we are as a church. And of course, we've got sermons online and all that sort of thing. I just two weeks ago spent time with the Pyro Baptist Church. And they've got a part-time pastor up there. 
And they approached me and they said, how do you feel about us taking your sermons and then using them for Sunday? And then we can take advantage of our pastor's limited time for other things. I said, hey, that's great. We can work that uh, through and we'll be able to help you out in that way. And so these are the ways in which we extend ourselves by virtue of having this online presence. And uh, all these tech people who are floating around here, cameras, sound, 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 sound. sound. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. This is where all the power all resides, the power as, resides you can see. as you can see. Yeah. Okay, guys. All right, what are they doing now? Yeah. You blanked out my screen. They're looking for a pay rise. They're going on strike. I'll double your pay, Lewis. Okay? Okay. Okay, okay thanks, see? Okay, thanks, that worked. That worked. That worked. That worked. Got an echo. All right. He's still playing with me, isn't he? No? No, they always sound that bad. Okay. Okay, let's move in a completely different direction. If we're talking about an online presence, we're also talking about a, a presence in a traditional way, and that's with mission. And, um, you know, if you're raised in a Steiger household, Steiger Ministries, you end up with different coloured hair, like these guys. So um, global, global youth culture. Um, but we've got lots of different ministries that we support around the world. India, the Philippines, the Middle East, uh, in the Pacific. And something more specific in the Pacific is an area called Vanuatu. And we're just entering into a discussion, a dialogue at the moment with Marine Reach, who have their, who've had traditionally had their ship up and around that, that area of Vanuatu doing medical outreach. What they have uncovered is a cultural norm up there, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, they've found that it's normative for a father to give his daughter to his brothers or his uncles for their gratification prior to being married. And this is normative. This is normal. And even though they've got this veneer of Christian faith across their country, you know, the island's called Pentecost Island, in Espirito de Santo, means the Holy Spirit. You know, they've got this veneer of Christian faith. But what actually goes on in their culture is hideous. And so Marine Reach have been working with the police and the courts, government officials, health workers, uh, wanting to set up health centres along the way where uh, particularly these young women can get attended to and try to break through an education program and we trust the power of the gospel, this hideous cultural norm that's been part of their, their, their lives for generations. And so one of the things that we can do is, as we're building into this partnership is uh, early in the new year, around about then, we're going to be able to advertise and send a building team up to help build the health centres up there. But they've got a lot of really positive things happening in a very, very dark place. And so this is our Pacific neighbourhood. These are the challenges that, that we can engage with that makes a huge difference in people's lives. Of course, coming back to our own place here, our own, our own church, this is where we produce the future missionaries and, and, and Christian uh, kids who become Christian adults in our youth groups, in our Sunday schools, uh, our outreach programs with the likes of Icons for Boys that's running midweek, mainly music, running twice a week, uh, playgroups, lots of different programs that we're running with our, our youth. Uh, 
And uh, they're, they're exciting because they inform us as well about what is going on in society. And through our young people, not only do we give to them, but they give back to us in so many different ways, don't they? And so we are deeply invested in the life of our young people. And we have really good people working uh, in a paid way, but fantastic, amazing amount of volunteers who just pour their energy into the lives of, of young people. And uh, I just got to say, I, I, you know, I, I'm so grateful in my day when I was a kid that the biggest thing I had to worry about was whether the brakes on my bicycle worked, you know, for all the hills we used to go flying down. That was about as technical as it got. <clears throat> and, and so we live in a very different world and our young people and our children in a particularly uh, challenging way uh, are living in a different world. So one of the things that I was wanting to do, moving into some different space now, is um, after Easter next year, we're going to be doing something together in the book, looking at James' letter to the church. And um, the reason why I raise this specifically is because what we're going to do is, um, over the summer, I'm going to be writing some study material that will go in a booklet, and we're going to call people together to be able to take on the challenge of James' letter, because James, James really undoes you, doesn't he? If you've ever spent time reading this book, he really challenges you. And I think we should, should be doing this together. And so we're going to look at James. I'm going to write this material over summer, as I say, and we're going to move into groups. I invite you to be part of what we've called in the past a bend group. That's a group with a beginning and an end, okay? Because um, we know that for the purpose of spending, say, 12 weeks together, these groups serve a really good, um, serve, serve us well, and we have a great result. And there are a lot of people who end up saying, hey, look, we've really enjoyed the company of these folks. We're going to stay together and do some more study and do life together. So I encourage you to be on the lookout for this when it comes. We've got Easter's early this year. It's in late March. And then after Easter, we're going to move into these Ben groups to look at the book of James. Okay, and when it comes to people, bless you, when it comes to people like uh, the Pyro Baptist folks, this is how they're going to tap into this. They'll do the study as well with us. Okay, so, so that's all looking good. Um, the other big thing that we've got coming up um, next year is, of course, the Golden Sands um, church plant. Uh, you saw Colin up here leading music with Darren earlier on. This is his family, this is Haley, and then the kids are Leo and Cora. And um, we're excited because we've been uh, hosting, in a sense, this whole idea, hosting Colin in a way, you know he's grafted in here. Um, the whole idea was to be able to say, Colin, come here, get a little bit of understanding of the BBC DNA, get to know some folks, take them with you, and go and do a really good thing for Lord over in Papamoa. Papamoa East is called Golden Sands. But what we also know is by, by doing this, um, we ourselves are putting ourselves in a more vulnerable position as, as BBC. And this is because um, Colin heading out is going to create, again, a financial lump when I come back to this year of the bump or year of the lump. Um, because we're saying to Colin, take our folks, and when you take our folks they will take with them their financial commitment to BBC, and that becomes the beginning of the financial ability of your own church to uh, succeed. And so 
what we're aiming to do is to say to folks, go be part of this new exciting adventure. But we also know that, that means we're going to here have to absorb this, this point of difference. So you can see what I mean by a year of the lump or year of the bump, just being straight up and practical with you. Um, so we've got a group of people who have been meeting already and they're looking forward to getting away. And so they are literally going to start this new church about the first week of March next year. And as a church, we're committed to financing Colin's wage through till March 2019. Then we'll be able to review it and see whether that church is financially stable enough to pick that up. But we're going to make a commitment to this church plant. And not only at a level of our budget, but um, we also want to be able to set a target of helping them get started well. So uh, in around about, this is 2000. 2018, um, around about here, about February next year, uh, we're going to take up a love offering for Golden Sands. So this is an opportunity for us at the very infancy of a church's life to take a personal investment, put a personal investment into the life of this new church. Now we're very blessed because the Bay of Plenty Baptist Association, just people like us, uh, having to know them well, have worked really, really hard to buy the land that's out there. So we've already got a huge statement being made. There's a hectare of land out there. It costs $2.3 million. And the associations worked really, really hard and very sacrificially some of these folks on this, this committee themselves have poured a lot of money in. And so they've already paid for $2 million worth of this land. And I'm talking about a handful of people, that many people in it. So that's remarkable, isn't it? And so, um, so Colin goes out there with Haley and the team that leaves with him, and they've got a fantastic start, a real sense of presence already in the community. Colin's getting around there on a Wednesday wearing his dog collar, just to let everybody know that God lives in Papamoa East. And uh, yeah, in fact, it's quite tempting to do that. I thought, I'm sort of wondering to myself whether I should do that more often. Some more conversations. There's a few shaking their heads. You wouldn't want me in a dog collar, no? A suit and tie? No? Okay. That's that. I'll stick to going to my little Jewish tailor, Mr. Hallenstein. He is. It's a Jewish name. And Hannah's. It's a Jewish cobbler. Yeah, you don't know that. Realize that, do you? Oh, man. You distract me, you guys. You're bad for me. Okay. So, we're going to take up this uh, appeal uh, next year. The other challenge that we've got ahead of us is that um, financially as a church, we've had the first time in 23 years that I've been here, we've seen our giving drop off. So we're around about 3% lower than uh, what we anticipated for this year. So I just really want to put the shout out there and encourage you and say, hey, look, you know, God's doing a good thing amongst us. Uh, let's not let money get in the way. It's one of those classic scenarios of I can't, but we can. So I encourage you to you know, look at what you're doing with your giving. I'm never going to ask more than what the Lord asks when I talk about tithing. Uh, and as you'd appreciate, we, we try to keep a very conservative uh, approach to finances in the life of a church because churches are very easily accused of, of uh, fleecing the sheep, so to speak. And uh, it's a popular way for the media to always um, look at us in a negative way. So I'm just encouraging you and your maturity to, to bring your tithes and offerings into the life of the church. Uh, tithes being that regular operational budget for us, offerings being these, these one-off opportunities. 
which we, I have to say, we, we keep that for very rare occasions when we're doing something significant. So, so I'd encourage you to be part of that if you, if you could. Okay. The other big thing that we've got going on in the life of our church, which I always want to celebrate, is that we have uh, tremendously committed staff and tremendously committed volunteers. It blows my mind how it is that so many people do so much around here to give us the church that we enjoy. And uh, when we have to present our figures for the Charities Commission, which you do every year these days, very accountable, um, we give them a figure of over 2,000 hours a week of volunteer time. That's how much volunteer time comes in and through the life of this church and out into the community as well. You know, and it's not just our own Sunday school or our music team. Uh, Brian Kirby runs uh, a breakfast program for the Whārikura around the, down the road here, the Full Immersion Secondary School. And uh, we have folks from our church there every morning providing breakfast for those kids who in some cases are travelling through from uh, Rotorua, Katikati uh, Waihi, all these places to be in a place of learning for themselves. And they're a, they're a great school and we've had the real, real pleasure of getting to know these kids. And, and so much so the relationship's built that when we do our night before Christmas on the 16th, um, these kids are travelling from all over the Bay of Plenty to come and to be part of that night for us. They're bringing their cup of haka team, and they're, they're really drilled, they're really cool, and they're going to be part of us. So this is what we are about as a church, is that we have this, this ongoing sense of relationship where we feel that, you know, we might be giving out. Um, but the truth of it is, is that as we give out, we get back. We get informed. We get to the privilege of building relationships and ultimately sharing, sharing Christ with people. And so the beauty of being church and reaching out is that we, have, we are changed by the folks that we're part of and, and we're in their lives. And so that's a real, real blessing for us. And it's very, very humbling at times as well, just to see how it is that other people uh, want to bless us. And so tomorrow night we're having our, our, our uh, volunteers night, our um, team night. And so we're excited about that because that means that the staff get to serve you. But collectively, we fill, fulfill Jesus' great commission of breaking down the walls, of being part of society, taking our one and only lives and pouring it out for Jesus in a way that is, is making a real difference. And that's what I just love about this, this church, is that the differences are real. And as I have the privilege of just representing the church in so many different ways around this community here, the feedback that we get, that I get, about us, is that people just so appreciate us as a church being in this community. And we know we'd be missed if we disappeared overnight. I think that's always a measure. You know, if you disappeared, would you be missed? And so that's who we are as a church. And I'm, I just think it's a, it's a blast. I really do. I think it's a, it's a privilege to be on this ride with, with people that we can call family, people we can call friends, people who we love and care for, and they care for us as well. And so um, one other bump before I finish that I need to talk about. Um, this, is a, this is 2018 again, and uh, I've got a, we've got a bump happening. It stops about there. <clears throat> now, this is a bump 
in my life. Because June 2018, I'm going to be a grandfather. And you're going to be a grandmother. Now, our daughter would like the bump to be like this. But being a vernal, probably more like this. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's part of our, our next year. So that's exciting for us. But um, look, it's just such a privilege to serve. Such a privilege to serve for us. And um, today I feel like, uh, as I said earlier on, it's a bit of personal indulgence really to be able to talk to you about whom we are. Just to be able to celebrate uh, with gratefulness to God you know, what it is that we collectively do. Not I, we can't do it on our own, but we can do it together. And so uh, this is what it means to be church. Let's stand for prayer. Father, indeed, the church being your idea was a gift to us, that we would belong, that we would know and be known, that you would die for our sin that you would give us the hope of eternity, that you would give us the forgiveness for the day. And Lord, as we think of all that we are involved in the life of this church community and beyond, when we look at our brothers and our sisters beside us who are, who are reaching out beyond what we could possibly do, we're just so mindful and grateful that we can celebrate your goodness through other people's lives. And Father, I just want to pray for next year, all the things that we've talked about, church plants and uh, exciting things like a night before Christmas coming up, a journey with James, uh, the ability to be able to build into this community. Lord, these things just really pump me up. And I'm I just so grateful that we can do it together. So God, may your blessing continue to be upon this place. May you increase our understanding. May you give wisdom to those who are living in the tension of the known and the unknown. May you continue to grace us with your presence. And may we continue to know that, that love that surrounds us by having those brothers and sisters in Christ around us. So we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.